Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, May 4th. Today on the show, Justin Mello from Broadway Sports Media joins us to give us a scouting report on Monty Rice and Des Fitzpatrick. We also discuss the latest turmoil around the Tennessee Titans draft class and the drama that took place on the ice on Monday night. Of course, the 440 brought to you by the Kingston Group, our great friends over at buildkg.com. Check out the website for all their great work. Locally owned, award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. We just had some work done on our house by the Kingston Group, so you should trust the Kingston Group as well. And I'm telling you, they went out of their way to make sure that every detail, every tiny bit of our vision for what we needed for our home was exactly what they delivered. That's all you really need to know. Check out the website, buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com. And when I mean they went out of their way, like they went to Utah to get the right shingle for us. I'm just telling you. So check them out. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com. So has everyone caught their breath after Monday night? Got any Rolades left in the jar? It was like the hockey guys were fighting with each other on Monday night, like two juvenile delinquent hockey hire forces arguing over the remote control. Victory. No defeat. No victory. After dominating the second period, Nashville took a commanding three-goal lead into the third period against Columbus. Simultaneously, Florida carried a 4-2 lead into the third period against Dallas. It was shaping up as a monstrous four-point evening for the Nashville Predators. But then defeat was almost snatched from the jaws of victory. Columbus scored three straight goals. It was very concerning to tie the game in the third and send it into overtime. At the same time, Dallas scored twice to tie the game against Florida in the third period to send it to overtime. The four-point swing Nashville was set up for. It now looked like Dallas actually had a chance to gain on the Nashville Predators. But as luck would have it, those hockey gods eventually settled their dispute and the Predators came out very much on top, albeit not as far on top as we thought. Roman Yossi scored his second goal of the night to give Nashville that critical extra point and their 10th overtime or shootout victory of the season. That happened at 8.39 p.m. Central Time. Literally one minute later, Florida scored to beat Dallas 5-4 in overtime, keeping a second point from the Stars. So Nashville did in fact gain ground on Dallas on Monday night. One point. And that's disappointing considering it could have and likely should have been two points. But you take the win and you move on no matter how it happened. So while Monday was a roller coaster, it did actually help the Predators inch closer to the playoffs, which is increasingly likely to happen as each night goes by. Nashville is up by four points with three games left to play. Dallas has four left, which means the Preds' magic number is down to four. Both are back on the ice on Wednesday night, and the Athletics, Adam Vingan and myself, are back in the studio on Tuesday to record the gold standard. Our Nashville Preds podcast will be out first thing on Wednesday morning. I can't imagine we have anything to talk about. The Titans draft class got some troubling news on Monday. Fourth round pick Rashad Weaver out of Pittsburgh, you know, the one I praised as the potential contributor yesterday on the show, was charged with one count of simple assault stemming from an incident in Pittsburgh back in April. The criminal complaint against Weaver didn't get filed until last Friday, the day before the Titans drafted him, and according to a statement from the team, they did not know about it until Monday. Quote, We were made aware of this news this morning. We obviously take this seriously and are in the process of gathering details and working with the league. End quote. And I'm not going to get into the details about what happened because, of course, they're conflicting reports, other than to say my usual PSA. 
everyone is innocent until proven guilty in this country, and all domestic assault claims of any kind should be taken extremely seriously. Basically, Weaver and a young woman got in a fight at a bar, then they left the bar, then later witnesses found her on the ground, and there's some conflicting reports. But the most damaging part of the story, Weaver told officers at the bar prior to the alleged incident taking place that, quote, he had no problem hitting a female if they needed it. Woof, dude. Even if you're totally innocent and did nothing wrong, you can't be saying shit like that. It just makes you look guilty. In fact, it makes me question the kind of person you are. Even a joke like that, yelling bomb on a plane or fire in a movie theater isn't allowed. And it certainly makes me think that you definitely did something wrong. What do the Titans do from here? Who knows? Fact-finding, interviews, PR calculus, and sadly, team needs will play into the decision the Titans have to make as they handle this incident moving forward. A preliminary court hearing is scheduled for October 5th in Pittsburgh Municipal Court. To continue our analysis of the Titans 2021 draft class, we bring in Justin Mello of Broadway Sports Media, host of the Music City Audible podcast and part of the Draft Network to break down Monty Rice and Des Fitzpatrick specifically, discuss the wide receiver position and get his thoughts on the Titans draft strategy overall. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a loaded question because I think they got some some really good football players, you know, especially in those mid rounds. I really like the Elijah Molden pick. I like the Rashad Weaver pick a lot there. So those two picks overall make me feel pretty good about the class. And I I did like the first couple of picks on the flip side of that. you, You have to have a little concern about how long they took to address the receiver position. You know, that's something I certainly Uh, didn't expect to happen on draft week. And I thought they would take one potentially in the first round, if not certainly in the second, right? And they didn't get one uh, until day three, right? So that was a bit surprising, but I do think they got a good group of football players in general. Is there a chance that we just overhyped and overvalued as fans and media the needs that John Robinson internally viewed at that position? I'll say this. He's probably the most confident person in the state of Tennessee when it comes to the current receiver head depth chart, right? Because it's odd in a sense, right? He's got, it's, he seems to have this quiet confidence in that group. And it makes me question, what does he know that we don't? Because it's certainly concerning for me at this point. I do think there's more belief in Josh Reynolds and, and Nick Westbrook than I think people realize. So let, let's move on to some of the other pieces. Monty Rice is, is controversial to some degree, although people were talking about middle linebacker, inside linebacker in the first round. So I really am kind of surprised that people find it shocking that they drafted him there. They drafted a receiver less than 20 picks later. So it's not like at 92, they did something crazy that they didn't just come back and do at 109 with Des Fitzpatrick. So what, who is Monty Rice? What, what is, what's your evaluation of Monty Rice? And what's your evaluation of uh, Des Fitzpatrick? Because clearly that was the wide receiver that John Robinson wanted. Yeah, in terms of Monty Rice, I will say that I was a bit surprised by the pick. I, I did not expect it. You're right. I mean, they did take a receiver just 20 picks later. So, you know, you're you're right in terms of there, there seems to be a, a, a thought out there that they took a receiver way later, right? They took Monty Rice. And when you look at the numbers, that's not the case uh, at all. Uh, when I look at Monty Rice on tape personally, uh, I see a guy that has pretty good athleticism, you know, and I know that's not maybe his calling card, but he does, you know, he finds the football on tape. He did that. He did a good job at that at Georgia. We saw him cover running backs a little bit there, and I thought he did a good job, although I, I have question marks about his ability to cover uh, in the next level. I think he's a good tackler, a good wrap-up tackler. A good, In a way, I would say he's a traditional, more of an old-school traditional linebacker that does have a little upside. 
you know, when it comes to when it comes to playing fast and and maybe covering running backs in the flat and things of that nature. But he does remind me of someone that could maybe replace Rashawn Evans in a year or two. I do think that was a bit of a, a risky pick, truthfully, because I, I'd not think that it was a need for them. It could be one in the future. So we may look in 2022 and say, thank God they have Monty Rice. Because you're entering 2021 20, right now with Jayon Brown on a contract year. As you know, he only came back for one year. Rashawn Evans is on a contract year. They just declined the fifth-year option. Both those guys, I would anticipate that neither of them are back in 2022, truthfully, Brown and Evans. So it may be a case where we look at Monty Rice is starting in 2022, and we're thankful to have him, and we're thankful for that pick. But as of now, the reason I think it's a little bit strange, I don't know that they were in a position with their roster to address something in 2022 if that makes sense. I think they had enough holes in 2021 where they could have gone elsewhere and, and kicked that can down the road. At, with Des Fitzpatrick is that he's a pro-ready NFL receiver that runs good routes, has good ball skills, and can contribute immediately. He rem- And, you know, Titans fans are probably going to laugh at this, and some are going to love this, and some are going to hate it. He reminds me a lot of Tajay Sharp in that sense, where I think he's a guy that can come in can play right away because he's so technically advanced. If you remember Tajay Sharp, he came in with a lot of production and he was a really good route runner. Now, I think Des Fitzpatrick is similar in that sense. Unfortunately, where I think maybe he's also a little similar is that I think he lacks terrific athletic ability, right? Whereas Tajay, just like Tajay was a great route runner, uh, he lacked that dynamic, you know, that, that thing that makes a receiver dynamic. I think Dez is the same. I think he's good. I think he's technical. I think he's going to play right away. I think he's going to have to play right away with the, the way the current depth chart set up. And I think he has the skill set to do so. That was Justin Mello of Broadway Sports Media giving us a scouting report on Money Rice and Des Fitzpatrick, among many other things. And I like what I hear. It matches what I've seen from watching both of those guys. And it, again, I'm not saying the Titans don't still need to find another weapon in the passing game. But I think fans are trying to evaluate John Robbins' decision-making through the lens of a fantasy football GM. Otherwise, I'll repeat what I said on Monday. I really have no issues with the overall strategy the Titans deployed this weekend, as five or six of these guys could be contributors as rookies at positions of need. Nashville SC and Inter-Miami played to a nil-nil draw on Sunday, the third consecutive home draw for Nashville SC to start the second season. Certainly not nearly as exciting and entertaining offensively as the first two matches were. I got to take my four-year-old daughter, though. A little overcast. Rain didn't bother us at all, so the sun wasn't too hot. She had an absolute blast actually getting to see her first MLS match in person. I'm going to tell you this. The grass at Nissan Stadium looks better than it ever has, probably because there hasn't been any football played on it for months. So absolutely a a beautiful setting. Over 13,000 people in attendance, so people starting to, to come to life. Uh, all the fans that, that in the supporter section make that stadium feel like it's a lot fuller than it really is. So a lot of credit to a lot of the fans uh, and a lot of the supporter groups for Nashville SC. Again, if you want more in-depth analysis of the outcome itself, how they played, first clean sheet for Joe Willis in Nashville SC, which I'm sure Gary Smith is happy about, make sure you check out Club & Country Podcast from the 440 Sports Network every single Tuesday with Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan giving you the best possible coverage of Nashville SC. So make sure you check out that show out today, Club and Country, everywhere podcasts are found. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook, at 440 Media on Instagram. Special thanks to our sponsor, the Kingston Group, of course, Nashville's award-winning, locally-owned custom home and remodeling firm. You don't have to go spend a boatload of cash on a remodel or a new house right this second, of course. But when you do, make sure you remember the name, the Kingston Group. 
They are thoughtful, they are analytical, and they want to take care of your home and your vision because that's how they do business. It's why my family uses the Kingston Group, and it's why your family can too. BuildKG.com is the website. Go check them out. The work speaks for itself. BuildKG.com. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.